I know I've got the Holy Ghost, and, I, and, and please don't. I shouldn't have to disclaimer all of this, and I don't believe I need to, but I guess uh, just to relieve any doubt you might have, I'm thankful for the experience I got, but that's not the end of all of my experience with God. Amen. I want to walk with Him again today. I want Him to speak with me again today. I want His Word to come alive in my heart again today. Amen. I'm hungry for Him. I'm thirsty for Him. The greatest days of this church are not behind us. They are before us. I'm reaching for it. I'm reaching for it. I made up my mind to go for it. The Lord's dealing with me about it, and He led me to the children of Israel, and, and um, the Lord said, just, just uh, I'm tired, they're stiff-necked. Leave me alone that I may destroy them. They're, they're stiff-necked, they're rebellious. Leave me alone so I can get mad. Moses said, oh, no, no, I'm not leaving you alone. In fact, if you're going to start uh, getting angry, uh, you're going to start with me. And if you start destroying those people, I want you to, I want you to start with me. Wipe me out. If you're, going, if you're going to wipe them out, wipe me out. This is very telling for each of us that the success of the people of God has a lot to do with us personally. You may have walked in depressed or discouraged or downtrodden or you may have walked in in victory. But I think we need to realize the people of God are very important. The church of the living God is very important. The five-fold ministry that God's placed in the church is very important. And the success or failure of the people of God starts with me. Well, I don't think I want to go there anymore. Those people, they holler and scream or they're not hungry or they're satisfied or they're bitter or they're depressed or they're unfriendly or they're this or that. I think when we get to the place where we say, the success or failure of the people of God starts and ends with me. I believe that gets God's attention. Revival in this church begins and ends with me. And let me say to you, it begins and ends with you also. Well, I wish people would pray. It starts and ends with you. I wish people would worship. It starts and ends with you. In fact, Moses said, Lord... Moses went on his face for 40 days. He didn't eat, nor did he drink because of the people of God. Well, if that would strike us, if revival that's been prophesied in this church would get a hold of us like that, where we would say, wait a minute, it starts with me in my prayer closet. If we'd say, Lord, I'm not eating until you move. Boy, it's getting quiet. But I got it burning in my soul today. And it, it starts today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the success of the people of God starts with me. So good to have all of our guests today. It's good to see. Amen. That's right. Let's give them all a big hand today. It's good to have Brother Jeremy Croto, our pastor. Uh, our pastor in Centerville, Iowa, doing a great work. God's blessing them in a mighty way. It's good to see Jeremy and Jeremy's dad here today. Amen. Good to see all of you. And it's good to see, good to see Linda back there. Now, me and Linda go way back. I was student pastor when Linda was a 
young person. So we've we've got a lot more gray hair, Linda, than we did back then. Yeah, good to have you, Linda, today. And we're, we're honored she's here today. Our sojourning is drawing to a close. The Lord is coming soon. But I want to declare today that our sojourning of having church in this gymnasium is drawn to a close. I thought somebody would be happy about it. Our sojourning, and I often, uh, I, I don't want to overanalyze things. I sometimes get, I'm so logical that I underthink things. But I, and I don't want to overthink this either, but I do know that I believe God had a plan for all that happened and why we're here today. I believe that the Lord showed me as your pastor that it's easy to get comfortable and satisfied once we get finished. And He doesn't want us to do that. So He gave us a little test tube of moving into a gymnasium where we felt pretty comfortable and we've, we had a little more room. We could stretch out. We could lay down if we got tired. We had ba- big bathrooms so we didn't have to come to church with a catheter. And the Lord blessed us. And the Lord showed us that it's easy to get comfortable when you think you've arrived because we got comfortable. So I come to speak against that today. I'm not comfortable. I'm I'm rising up. I believe that God has greater things for us. So I want to speak today for just a little bit. And and, uh, I've I've been committing myself to preach shorter. And I'm serious. I've been committing to preach shorter, but but more concise, more impactful, not to... Not that uh, I think sometimes I say the same thing five times, and there's no sense in saying it five times if they don't got it, get it by the second time. Just shut up. I mean, say thank God for that revelation. <laughs> but I will say this: our process to complete our expansion and what God has called us to do it begins today. It begins today. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it begins today. So, so let me say what I'm. This is very important. And I will say we've got some men that are out today. They were on a fishing trip this weekend. and Some of them stayed over on Sunday. So wives, if you want to make a lot of commitments today for your husband, that's fine. It'll teach them to be at church on Sunday. Let me say what I, what I mean to say very concisely. Our worship center will connect on the west side of this building right here. And uh, we'll finally be in a place where we don't have to set up any longer and we don't have to uh, uh, do all of that stuff that we have to do right now. And I'm thankful for that. I want to say to all those that have been diligent in the last few years, I want to say how much your pastor appreciates you. I pastor some of the greatest people on the face of the earth right here in Salem, Illinois. And because of you, because of you, the uh, reputation of this church goes far and wide. There are people that's come here and experienced uh, you, and uh, they've left uh, never to be the same. I'm thankful for you today. But I am personally overwhelmed and amazed at the same time. Our humble beginning, we didn't start this way. 
uh, uh, God, God brought us here. And so I'm thankful for that. So it begins in a very specific way. Our vision, not for ourselves, but our testimony of desire to see the gospel preached in every nation, in every city, in every town, in every village, in every jungle, in every outpost. We would never want nor desire to be considered self-centered, Salem-minded only. We desire today to rise as Antioch of old in the book of Acts and realize that the completion of the kingdom of God in this world is bigger than our few acres right here. So it starts right now. And it does not start with us. It starts... In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until... He find it. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your power and your spirit, the anointing that I felt, Lord, all morning long. I thank you for it. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to your people. I pray, God, that there be a releasing, God, of blessing and miracles. I pray today, God, there be a releasing of joy in somebody's life a releasing of contentment and thanksgiving. I pray, Lord, for a spirit of joy and peace to get a hold of your people today, to know, Lord, that you're in control of all things and you brought us to this place today and for this we give you thanks. I pray, Lord, that you would touch us in Jesus' name today and let us hear your word. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, until... Turn your neighbor and tell him, until. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. The search for one soul is not a data process operation. Before I get too far into this today, let me say it's good to be home today in the house of the Lord with all you great people. Amen. Thank God. The soul searching endeavor is not a data process operation. It's not computerized. It's not, a, it's not a process by which God is just collecting numbers for some data sheet. It's more than just a survey. It is a love affair. It is a love affair. For the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15 that the good shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, has a hundred sheep and one of them finds himself lost. And he goes after that one until, everybody say until, until he finds it. That tells me there's nothing impersonal about it. He doesn't stay in the fold and say, well, if they want to come back, they'll come back. No, he goes and looks until he finds it. The great until, somebody say until. Our work is not finished here until all souls have heard the gospel preached until the great. We go after them until they're found. When do we stop praying? We don't stop praying until they're found. 
When do we have an outreach? When do we cease having outreach? We don't cease until that lost soul is found. When do we quit having prayer and fasting meetings? We don't stop until your loved one prays through at an altar. Until every soul that's lost is found. So we just keep on going until. We come worship God until souls are saved. We just keep on. There is nothing impersonal about it. Jesus answered the question and complaint that was voiced by the religious, listen, the religious sector of society. And religion has power to cloud you to what's really true and what's going on in the kingdom. Well, anyway, Luke chapter 15 tells us that the publicans and sinners drew near to him and the religious people didn't like it. Oh, for a church that sinners are drawn to, other churches don't like it. They criticize, they make up stuff, they say things. Doesn't matter because a sinner is drawn to Jesus Christ and that's what's important. Pharisees don't matter. What they murmur and say doesn't matter. What they post doesn't matter. Their opinion about the church and the kingdom doesn't matter. This man receives sinners. You better be glad he does. He eats with them. You better thank God he does because he looked for you until he found you and he wouldn't stop until you surrendered to him and today you're blessed because of it. Come on, give the Lord praise today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Brother and Sister Tolly, it's good to see you back there. I just looked up, saw Ronnie and Connie. Let's welcome them. So good to see them. We've been praying for them. They, had, they need our prayers. Amen. Uh, because they lost a loved one this week. That's why they need our prayers. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. What people's opinions about who comes to this church doesn't matter to me. What people's opinions about who we love on and, and who we pray for and what they look like and what they don't look like, it doesn't matter a hill of beans to me. I'm too old for all that mess anyway. <laughs> I'm too old to worry about what people's opinions are of the church and who comes in this door and sits on these. Boy, you ought to see some of their people. Yeah, you ought to. They're sinners saved by the grace of God. They're trophies. Oh, hallelujah. They're children that he loves. That's who they are. They're sheep that have lost their way and he just keeps on until he finds them. So I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to keep on worshiping. We're going to keep on singing. We're going to keep on giving until he's found. Till that drug addict's found. Till your lost child prays through. We're going to just keep on until your dad prays through. Until your mother comes to the altar. Until we're just going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on believing. That's what we're going to do. Come on, let the church praise the Lord right now. Come on, Pharisees, murmur all you want to. A sinner is God's business. He loves them. Luke 15 and verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over the 99. God is not shouting because you drug your carcass out of bed and made your way to church today. You think he wants to pin an award on you for that? No, what makes him excited is when one sinner walks in that door and says, I need Jesus. Now that's what makes heaven rejoice. 
So make no mistake about it, the Lord expects us to be here and he wants me to come with joy in my heart because I'm in the fold. But never forget, his mind is on those that are still not here today. Oh, you mean he's not thinking about me? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Oh, he looks at the 99 and he says, well, you're in the right place. Is the fold a bad place to be? Oh, no, the fold's where you ought to be. The church is where you ought to be. But make no mistake about it, something else is on his mind. He hears the bleeding of a lost lamb. And he says, pardon me, I'm glad you're all here, but I got something to find until I find it. <laughs> In fact, I'm convinced I'll never feel closer to the Lord than when I'm involved doing what he says is important. Well, I hadn't felt the Lord in a while. Maybe that's because you aren't doing what he thinks is important. If he's going after the one, I'll never feel closer than when I say, hey, Lord, would you mind if I go help you? And the minute I say, wait a minute, Lord, I want to get involved in doing what you're doing, that's the moment that I begin to feel the closest to the heart of the master. The 90 and 9 are laying claims that cannot be substantiated. They are powerful. They'll starve you out, preacher. Try to have church without us. We'll see how that does. We'll take our toys and go somewhere else. This satisfied subsidiary sometimes appears to believe that all of heaven's joy is directed toward them. The satisfaction of a believer is is going after that which is lost. It's a love. It's a passion kindled for a sinner that cannot diminish until he hath found it and lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. What makes him rejoice is when he finds it. The business of a believer is to receive a sinner and eat with him. A sinner. And it can't be vague. It can't be in generals. It is never a search for the ungodly collectively. It's very easy to stand in this room and say, Oh Lord, save the lost. Oh, Lord, touch those people in this community that need Jesus. You see, that's not the way it is. Jesus doesn't stand in the fold and say, Oh, I just wish all those that were lost would would know what we know. If they could experience how safe it is in here. No, that's not what he said to do. We like to reduce it to generalities where we say, oh Lord, I don't even know who they are. I don't know what their name is, but Lord, touch them. But it's never a thing that happens in general. God doesn't search for the ungodly collectively. The search is for one, one, one. If the sinner were searching for God, the sinner would not be lost. I'm going to say that again. If the sinner was looking for God, the sinner wouldn't be lost. The Bible says when you look for him, he'll appear to you. (laughs) When you seek for him, you'll find him. The point is, the sinner doesn't know he's lost. That's why the Lord chose the animal he chose. It's a sheep. And a sheep knows he's lost. He he expresses that. He bleats. You hear him express that he knows I'm lost. He's nervous. He's fearful. But he never returns on his own because he can't. He's lost his way. He must be hunted 
four. And that's the secret of this story. For in Luke 15, it says he goes after it until he finds it. It may be a long trail. It may be a long time. It may be an expenditure of a lot of effort and money. But it satisfies heaven when he finds it. But he won't stop until he does. The old songwriter wrote, he doesn't give up easy. I thank God for that. Nothing is as, as, as erroneous as the notion that sinners want to come to church. Huh. I've said this before. We are, we're crazy to think people that don't know the Lord and feel you know, condemned, they, they know they're doing things that they shouldn't do. They, well, they, they want to come to church. They just got a lot in their way. No, that's the last place they want to go. It's like believing that the thief drives around town looking for the police station. No, he's not driving around town looking for the police station. He stays as far from the police station as he can. In fact, when he sees a policeman drive by, he makes sure he's doing everything legal. Because he don't want the policeman pulling him over. When he sees the pastor in Walmart, (laughs) he goes the other way. Oh God, I don't want to talk to him. That's the way a lost sheep, they say a lost lamb actually runs from its owner. Why? It's so afraid it can't even recognize the sense of its ownership departs. It's so afraid it will flee from the voice of its owner. Listen, sinners are afraid to go to church, but the Savior understands that. So he didn't tell us to wait till they show up. He said, no, go and find them and search until. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap. That's why he commissioned us, go ye therefore into the highways and the byways. Go ye therefore into all nations and preach the gospel. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. No, I'm gonna say it. This church is not full enough yet. There are not enough people saved yet. No, we haven't seen revival like we wanna see it yet. No, absolutely not. I know you're all important and you may lose your influence if we get a few hundred more in here, but the Lord wants this community saved. So get over yourself. I said get over yourself. He he loves you, but he's looking for another. Come on, let's give the Lord praise right now. Come on, give the Lord praise. So I hurry. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Luke 19. It's a very familiar story. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he was to see. Remember that old Sunday school song? That's what I'm talking about, Zacchaeus. That's the Zacchaeus I want to tell you about. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans. Did you hear that? He was chief sinner. Chief sinner. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure you don't want to be in that. He's chief sinner. And he was rich. Everybody say rich. 
Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus 2, Luke 19, 2, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Look at this, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, wait a minute. A lot of people like that social gospel that says, If you feed the poor, you're saved. Wait a minute. This man was chief sinner. And it does not say that he told the Lord, I will give all my goods. Since you're in my house now, I see the need. So now I'm going to feed the poor. That's not what happened. This sinner was feeding the poor before he met Jesus. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. There's a lot of what my old pastor would say, hocus pocus, Delamonocus going on in Pentecost that says the Holy Ghost isn't that important and the Spirit of God moving isn't that important. What we need to do is really get out there and feed the poor and clothe the naked. Well, we need to do that. But a sinner can do that. That doesn't mean you know Jesus because you feed the poor. Uh, uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Zacchaeus said, I give to feed the poor. You know, I think what's happening here, Brother Jim, it's what happens with all of us. When Jesus shows up, we want to impress him. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, half of my goods I give to feed the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Look at how religious I am. I am a good man. I feed the poor and I restore everything that I take from anybody fourfold. Wow. Try that on all the people that think the social gospel is the way you're saved. I'm going to be saved. That's foolishness. That's being saved by works. You can't feed enough mouths to know Jesus. Zacchaeus was chief sinner. Chief sinner. Reminds me of what Jeremy's dad asked me the other day. He said, you know, it's General Motors, and they make engines. Why don't they say General Engines? I said, hey, stop. Don't talk like that. That's a racial slur. He kind of looked at me. Yeah, engines. Don't be talking like engines like that. I'm talking about chief sinner. Uh-oh. Yeah, you shouldn't be. No slurs at all. No slurs allowed here. He kind of realized he was with some crazy fellas, I think, this weekend. Somebody say praise the Lord. This man gave half his goods to feed the poor. Was this man saved by giving half his assets to feed the poor? No. This man was not saved by giving away half his assets. This is what he had been doing. Everybody must have looked at this man and said, Man, he's really a godly man. But Jesus said, That man's the chief sinner. Everybody looked at that man and said, there's nobody better than that man right there. He does stuff for folks. He gives stuff to people. There ain't nobody better than that man in our community. Jesus said, that man's the chiefest sinner among you. Just because he's giving stuff away. So we need to understand this, folks. Look at what Jesus said to a man who was given half his money away when he found Jesus. Look, Luke 19 and 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Listen, Zacchaeus, the poor need to be fed. You need to restore if you've taken from somebody. But that's not your salvation today. Salvation is here. Oh, come on. Well, anyway. Yeah. The kingdom of God has a definite program for the care of the less fortunate and the poor. Yes, he does. In fact, why would God say, why would his kingdom policy be if a man will not work, neither let him eat? Boy, it's getting real quiet now. You thought I was going to preach about revival. Now I went to meddling. If I'm supposed to feed everyone that's hungry, why would God say that about work? No, you're not hearing me. I understand considering the disabled, the widows, the fatherless, we find that in the Bible. In fact, if you do not know God's kingdom policies about these issues, you need to study because it's in there. You You have been given much. You have the kingdom of God's policy in your very hands. Yes, you do. And we find where the Lord told Zacchaeus, uh-uh, it's not about how many mouths you feed. I know you got a bunch of soup kitchens going on, but I want to tell you something, Zacchaeus, today salvation came to your house. Uh-oh. Luke 19, 26. For I, I want to tell you something, folks. We better stick with the word of God and all this cultural relevant stuff that messes with your head. You better stay in the Bible. Luke 19, 26, for I say unto you that unto everyone which hath, now this is right after Zacchaeus. Everybody say right after Zacchaeus. That's right. Right after that man that gave all that money and the Lord said, I know today salvation came. For I've come to seek and save that which is lost. I didn't come to recruit a bunch of poor mouth feeders. I came to save people. Okay. Then he goes on to say a shocking statement. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. Now that's odd. That's kingdom terminology. Don't run for president on that platform. Everybody that has it, we're going to give more to them. And if you don't have it, we're going to take what you got. Don't run on that platform. In fact, if you want to get voted in, run on the opposite. If they've got it, we're going to take it and give it to everybody that doesn't have it. Uh-oh. But Jesus said the kingdom policy is to the one that has, he's going to get more. And to the one that doesn't have, I'm going to take what he has and give it to the one that has it. Wow. I wonder if you really want to be a part of his kingdom. Boy, I went to messing with work. Now I've been to messing with the political system. Just hold on, it's going to get better. This statement comes right after Jesus has addressed a rich man, Zacchaeus, in his own home. The statement follows a very interesting parable. Zacchaeus is the context. The parable's in Luke 19, verse 12. And he said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to deceive himself a kingdom in return. The nobleman went away, and he was coming back. And verse 13, he called ten servants, delivered unto them ten pounds. He said, Occupy until I come. Occupy means reside and have one's place of business. Don't don't just sit at home and, and do nothing. Verse 14, But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man reign over us. This is really the issue, isn't it? It's called lordship. 
Verse 15, and it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. He did come back. Jesus is coming back in his kingdom. And the Bible tells us, Jesus is telling us when the nobleman comes back after he gets his kingdom, when he comes back, he's gonna wanna know how much has been gained. Amen, that's right. The Lord wants a growing church. Turn your neighbor and tell him the Lord wants this church to grow. Yes, he does. Verse 16, then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. And he, boy, look at this. Lord, I gained 10 pounds while you were gone. (laughs) He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. I gained five pounds while you were gone. And the Lord said likewise unto him, Wonderful, be thou also over five cities. Verse 20, and another came saying, Lord, here behold is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Boy, it sounds like some Pentecostals, doesn't it? I got the Holy Ghost in 1947. I'm just glad to sit back here and sleep during service. I got my experience all folded up here. Every once in a while, I get a good head snap. And I remember how the Lord was good to me, but I wrap it right up. And I got it tucked away right here. Wow. I was afraid because you're an austere man. Thou takest up where thou layest not down, reapest where thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taken up that I laid not down and reaped. That I did not sow. Wherefore thou gavest not thou my my money unto the bank that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto him, them that stood by, take him, take him, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath 10 pounds. Look at that. Take what he saved and give it to the first guy. Let's think about the haves for a moment and the haves not, have nots. Why do they have? Because they earned it. No, wait just a minute. Wait. I want to tell you, the haves have it not because they earned it, but because God has blessed them. Whether it's little or much, God has blessed them. Let me demonstrate. Let me demonstrate here just a minute. I believe right now somebody in this service wants to give me $200. Where are they? Somebody right now wants to give me Do you have $200? Let me see that. Mike? Can you explain that? Did he take the offering today? Did your parents know you had that? You've been saving it for something? I just knew $200 was in this room somewhere. It's right here on the front row. And this guy right here. That's pretty good. Man, I, let's see. I feel like somebody else has got... No. Let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. You just stood up 
just right as soon as I said it. What's the deal? Why, why did you give me this? Because it's yours and you gave it to me before church. Because it's mine, because I gave it to him before church. Thanks. Let me ask you something. How much of what you have is by your own hand? What do you have that you earned yourself? What do you have that's not the Lord's? And he gave it to you. You know why Brennan could jump up and say, I got $200 for you? Because that $200 is mine. I'd have chased him down. I told him. I told him before service. I said, if I look up when I'm preaching and you're not there, I'm leaving that service and I'm going to find you. Because that's my birthday money. I told him that. So that's my birthday money. Don't you leave with my birthday money. I want to tell you something right now. Jesus is concerned about sinners. And while you're, nothing wrong with cruising, but while you're cruising, paying your bills, living your life, going to the steakhouse, going shopping, going to the ball game, and not one thing I mention is a sin. While you're spending all that that you think you deserve, don't you ever forget the person that put it in your pocket is Almighty God. I owe Him everything. Not one thing I have, I got by my own. Not one. I start thinking about it. What do I have that I got by myself? Nothing. Nothing. Not one thing. Everything I have is a blessing from the Lord. My health is a blessing from the Lord. Your ability to get up tomorrow and go to work, you ought to thank God. Oh no, I earned this. I work hard. Oh no, you can be flat on your back in a hospital. And the insurance saying, we're not going to pay it anymore. Come on. We're not going to pay your claim. You, it could be over in a minute. Everything you have came from somebody else. and You're going to get greedy and you're going to spend it on yourself and you're going to swell up because you just can't get enough anymore. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God. I, I, I just decided I was so hungry I'd Google it. Yeah, I Googled hunger. How do you make people hungry? What do you do when you pastor satisfied people? Do you just quit preaching for a while and think they'll get hungry? No. You know what Google says? Hunger is a psychological issue. We think it's physical because we hurt. Oh, I can't fast. My tummy hurts. It's in your head. It is a hormone. It's between your ears. Not your, well, your hormones are between your ears too. But anyway, what I'm saying to you, it's a state of mind. You're not nearly as hungry as you think you are. Those hormone levels go up and down. And when you get real full, there's a hormone that's secreted. It tells you to stop eating. When you stop eating, that hormone lessens. And another one increases. It tells you better start eating again. It affects the way you think. 
What causes spiritual people to not be hungry anymore? Maybe it's right here. I got everything I need. I'm satisfied. The Lord's been good. I don't know about you, but the Lord's blessed me. But I don't believe He's done yet. Everything I have is the Lord's. Let's lift our hands right now and love the Lord. I'm about half done. Come on. Come on, let's love the Lord right now. It starts today. It starts today. It starts today. When I was elected pastor of this church, I just want to tell you my first concern was that we had spent more on ourselves than we had missions. I knew I knew I wouldn't get any hand claps for that. That's okay. But I I realized really quickly I went to conferences and took missionaries that we didn't have the money to send. No, they weren't preaching in Salem. No, they were going to Scotland's, Germany's, France's, Ghana's, Guyana's, Nicaragua's. They were going all over the world. But I knew <laughs> I knew that if God was going to pour the Holy Ghost out in Salem, I'd have to first of all get involved in what he was he said was important, and that was preaching the gospel to the whole world. We all spend Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're the last of the big spenders. <laughs> I, want to, I want to do another little exercise for you. <laughs> I feel like somebody else has some money. It's my birthday. Let's do something else. Let's do a little example here. I want you to help me with this number. I want you to tell me how much money. I'm not talking about the state of Illinois. I'm not talking about in the county of Marion. I want you to tell me how much money was spent video gaming in Salem, Illinois in the month of March. That's the last data they have, the month of March. Tell me how, oh, in this poor county, in this poor state, that we don't have nothing. Look how blessed we are. I want you to tell me, in one month, what do you think? You got a number? Six million. You can probably Google it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I could surprise you. You probably already have it. $4.7 million spent in this city in one month. That's how much money's in this town. We poor mouth and tell ourselves, oh no, I don't got it. No, you're spending it on yourself is what you're doing. When I look at my expenditures, when I look at my checkbook, I want to know I'm investing in the kingdom. And I want to tell you right now why we're sitting in this room right here. I want to tell you why pastors in big cities say, I've never seen a church raise that kind of money ever. I want to tell you why. It's because we're not going to stick it in our pocket and hold it. It's because what God gave it to us, we keep opening it up and saying, here it is, Lord, it's back to you. 
back to you. And you know what the Lord has done? He's given you good jobs. He's made a way for you when there seemed to be no way. He walked in the courtroom with some of you and gave verdicts to a judge that were a miracle. He's made a way for your families. You're more blessed now than you've ever been. Oh, I don't know about you, but I've come to praise him for it. Now make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Pastor's not preaching against buying you something. I know you're saying, wait a minute, Brother Gene, all of a sudden he's got this funny look in his eye and he's preaching against getting anything. No, I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. You put his kingdom first. You put his kingdom first and you just, you just drive up on this campus and don't you ever forget that the reason we're here is because the church said we're going to give to see the gospel preached around the world. And this thing will dry up in a heartbeat the minute we say we ought to just do what we want to do. Don't worry about anybody else. Yeah, Brother Jim. It costs us a lot less money if Brother Gene preached all the revivals. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I want to send another missionary. We're, we're in a Bible school in Scotland teaching last week. A little girl, second year student. Second, second year student. I can't remember where she's going now. She's going, she's going to Japan. God gave her a burden for Japan. She's from Brother Hattabaugh's church in Florida. She went to Bible school in Scotland and she's got a burden for Japan to take the gospel to Japan. She said, I'm trying to raise some money. I said, sign our church up. We're going we're to see the gospel preached in Japan. Yes, we are. Oh, absolutely we are. Yes, we are. And it just keeps growing and growing. I thank God for this church, 2014, you gave almost $25,000 in the last four years. You've consistently given in the mid $20,000 to missions. I think you ought to give yourselves a hand for that. I think you ought to thank God for that. I love the Lord today and I'm thankful for what the Lord's done in our lives. Somebody say amen. It's what we give that matters. It's the way we spend it that makes the difference. Next month, the month of April, probably not any different. Close to five million dropped in little uh, machines that buzz and have little melodies playing while they pull the arms and they sit there and drop their good paycheck money in there. Almost five million every month in this city. That's staggering. See, it's not wrong to spend it. It's just the way you spend it that makes the difference. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. In fact, that perfectly matches with Matthew 25 verses 1 through 9. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps. Everybody say at the time of the Lord's return. That's right, that's what we're talking about. Then, everybody say then. When the Lord's about to come back, it's going to be like uh, ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at, mid at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. 
That's Jesus. Go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye therefore to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Give us your oil, they said, and it will do you no good because you didn't value the oil you had. You're going to have to get oil just like we got oil. You're going to have to desire it. Somebody say amen. So I've got a lot to say. Not a short time to get there. Somebody say amen. So let me, what, what we wish to be able to do, I believe we ought to set about doing. I want to see the gospel preached in all the world. And I believe today is going to be a seed of what God is going to do in the next few months to help us in our so journey. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. This is the New Living Translation. And it says this. Then turning to his disciples. Everybody say then. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Okay, something just happened. And the Bible says that when it happened, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, That's why. I told you not to worry. Wouldn't you like to know what had just happened if the Lord says, that's why I told you not to worry? Oh, yeah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, if I knew that, I'd quit worrying. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, if I knew what the Lord was talking about, because he said, that's why you should not worry. If I knew that, then I'd quit worrying. Okay, let's find out what he was talking about. Let's go back up to verse 13. Did someone call from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me? It's about money, isn't it? Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had fertile ground and produced fine crops. He said to himself, Why should I, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, Friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Now take it easy. But God said to him, You are foolish. You will die this very night then who will get everything you worked for yes a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth but not does not have a rich relationship with God then he turned to his disciples and said this is why you know why you shouldn't worry disciples not because you don't have barns Not because you don't have wheat. You should not worry because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody else is going to be worrying. But don't you worry because you know Jesus. Somebody say amen. So a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. You see money can buy you a bed but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy you books, but money can't buy you brains. 
Money can buy you food, but money cannot buy you an appetite. Money can buy you the finest things of life, but not the beautiful things of life. Money can buy you a house, but money can't buy you a home. Money can buy you the best doctors, but money can't buy you health. Money can buy you luxuries, but money can't buy you culture. Money can buy you amusements, but it can't buy you joy. Love can even buy you a therapist, but money can't buy you peace of mind. Money can buy you a crucifix to hang around your neck, but money can't buy you a savior. And money can even help you buy a church pew, but money cannot buy you heaven. Everything I have that means something in my life does not come because I have money. No, it comes from the things that money cannot buy. Somebody say amen. And I close. I want to say to you, you cannot be both. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you cannot be both. Turn to them again. You cannot be both. Yeah, a teacher who had just related to a class of boys the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man had all of the he ever wanted. He died. He went to hell. Lazarus, poor old man, didn't have nothing, but he was saved. He said, okay, class of boys, which one of, you, which one of these fellows would you rather be, the rich man or Lazarus? One boy said, I'd like to be the rich man while I'm living, and I'd like to be Lazarus when I die. No, you cannot be both. You got to live as Lazarus or you got to live as the rich man. And I've made up my mind I'm going to be rich toward God. Everything I have is His. Somebody give the Lord a good hand clap. Come here, Shane. Come here, Isaac. Come here, Archer. Once more. Come on. Come on. Stand right here. You three boys stand right over here. All right. This is my girl right here. This is little Shayla. My second born. When she she was born, she, she wouldn't she wouldn't breathe for a little while. I got real nervous. I I'm thank God it didn't affect her brain at all. She's baby. Baby part of it. She wouldn't breathe. I can't tell you what came over my heart when they were working on that child and she wasn't breathing laying over there in that little cubicle. They were sewing her mom up. All of a sudden, I I wasn't worried so much about mom. I I realized this other baby wasn't breathing. So I made my way over that bed and started calling on the name of Jesus. The beautiful, most beautiful sound I ever heard that, well, I guess in my life is when she started sucking air. (laughs) Big old long... Thank God. Love Shayla. Proud of her. But I got to go away. I got to go away. So I'm going to give to three young men responsibility. If my daughter is lost and wanders away from God, I want her back in the house of God. So I'm going to supply these fellows with the wherewithal, the energy, the money, the ingenuity to go after my child. So I'm not going to take your money now. I'm going to give you some money. 
I'm going to give each of you $10,000. What I want you to do, not really. This is for the sermon. This is evangelistically speaking. I'm going to give you each $10,000. You can do with it what you will. But I'm going to ask you to take a thousand of that at least and use it to try to find my girl. Okay, 9,000 of it, you can go buy you a boat. But I want you to take a little of it and I want you to find my child. Okay, so I go away (laughs) and I come back. Look at these cohorts here. Here he is. Brennan? Brennan, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. You got any more money for me? No. These three cats. Okay, I come back and it's time to account. It's time to account. I've been giving this cat $10,000. He hadn't spent one dime to go find my child. He's wasted. In fact, he's in debt now. He's bought houses and all kinds of stuff. Archer, he's been faithful. Every, every week I give him, or every month I give him $10,000. Let's call it monthly. He's been spending $1,000 a month trying to find my daughter, whatever it costs. Isaac, he's went above and beyond. He knows the father's heart. He knows I don't need nine thousand. What do I need nine thousand dollars a month for? <laughs> How much can I spend? He says, "You know what? If it's that important to my to 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 that man, I'm going to give two thousand dollars a month to find his child." What's going to happen when Dad comes back? Huh? Come on, you can tell me. What's going to happen when I come back? I say to Brennan, Brennan. How much did you spend to find my daughter? He said, oh, man, I'm in debt up to my neck. I couldn't make ends meet, yada, yada, yada. And I say, Archer, how much? Oh, you've done well. You did exactly what I said for you to do. That's a good fella. Isaac, what did you do? Oh, man, you know the heartbeat of daddy. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the money I've given this scoundrel. Who am I going to give it to? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to give it to this guy. You know why? Because he's got the heartbeat of the father. You want to be blessed? You want God to give you a raise on your job? Come on, you want God to multiply the little you have? Yeah. Yeah. Keep spending it on yourself. Yeah, he's going to come. Oh, your life was really important. That's right. No. I think the minute he comes back and he realizes we invested in the kingdom. That doesn't mean I didn't spend money for myself. You understand what I'm saying? Brother Gene's preaching, my God, I can't buy nothing. Now I'm afraid to even go eat after service. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's how we spend it. So I know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Shayla. You've done a great job. Let's give them a hand. So today, it's going to end in a commitment. It's going to end. There's a great challenge before us.
I've had more than one person. I've had multiple people tell me that God's going to supply our needs. I stand on that word. I believe the Lord wants to amaze us. Amaze everybody for that matter. It starts today. It starts with a commitment. So on the first Sunday of every month, we have what we call Mission Sunday. Mission Sunday. We give to missionaries. We take up an offering. Last year, we took in 20 something thousand dollars for missions we sent out almost forty thousand dollars yeah we go above and beyond what you give into missions that's a fact that's how much your pastor believes in missions and I want to tell you that's why we're blessed so today it starts with us making a commitment it's called faith promise everybody say faith promise there are missionaries around walls of this church today it wouldn't hurt you to take one of those down and spend the next month or next six months praying for them but today we're going to plant a seed we're going to say God I believe you're able to supply me with a blessing so that the gospel can go around the world now listen I want to say this very clear this is not a pledge turn to your neighbor and tell them this is not a pledge in fact I want to tell you to get so bold right now, to get so bold that if God doesn't supply it, there's no way you can do it. That's what faith promise is. It's not a pledge. Now building, when we build the next building, that's a pledge. We got to count on that. Don't say I'm going to get 15000 a week. I want to tell you something. I want you to step out today and say, God, if you'll supply it. Listen to me now. I'm going to be so bold as to tell you that if God does not supply it, you're not obligated to give it. How's that? You say, Pastor, for foreign missions, for the gospel to go around the world, I'm going to give, you you fill in the blank, I'm going to give $200 a month Every Mission Sunday, I'm going to get $50. I'm going to get kids. You can mow a yard. You can rake. My God, you can get off of the game box and you can go rake some leaves for God's sake. Do I have an amen in this house? You, why is it that our parents are giving to me? Where are some boys and girls that will say, I'm going to wash somebody's car so I can give $20 a month to Mission? Starts today. Turn your neighbor and tell them it starts today. Absolutely. And I want to tell you how important this is. The last faith promise, I'm, I'm, I'm going too long. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But the last faith promise I sat in, the last faith promise service I sat in was in February of 2007. February of 2007. My daughters would graduate high school in May of 2007 that was February of 2007 they were going to colleges they were going to to different universities to see where they were going to go to school and here's dad in a faith promise service and the preacher's up there saying now what are you going to do for the kingdom 
And in my head, I said, Lord, there ain't nothing I can do for the kingdom right now because my kids are fixing to go to college and I'm going to have two bills at once. I know what you're saying. Well, you're rich anyway. I'm going to tell you something. I was sitting in that service knowing what I didn't have, Olivia. Knowing I didn't have it. And I said, God, my kids are fixing to go to college. What am I going to do? In that service, as God is my witness, the Holy Ghost said, you give to the kingdom and I'll take care of your kids. So I'm going to tell you something. I wrote an amount on that card. There's no way. There's no way my kids can go to school and meet, meet that obligation without a miracle from God. Then they come home from this one trip up around Peoria and they say, Dad, we found a school we want to go to. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the price tag. You wouldn't believe what it was going to cost. Then they said, but there's some scholarships. I said, oh yeah, well you better apply for every one of them you can apply for. There's one, Dad, that they only pick five people every year. I'm thinking, oh God, at least give one of them that. It wasn't too long after that. They went on a, you know, the, the, go up there and, and they, they, had, they brought 70 kids, 70 or whatever. About 70 kids in that were scholarship uh, 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 candidates and they were examining them. They were talking to them. And I'll tell you, the day the president of the college called and said, I just called to let you know that both of your daughters have been awarded the Reagan Scholarship. They'll have a full ride all their years at college here. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you where my mind went. It went back to the front row of that little auditorium right over there where the Lord said, you give to my kingdom and I'll take care of your kids. And I want to tell you right now, you can argue with theory and you can argue with abstract, but I've been there. I know he's a man of his word. And if you give, you can't outgive the Lord. There's no way. Our ushers are getting ready to give you a little faith promise card. This is why I believe this is so important. Because I know, saints, I know. I know what we need here at this church. If you're a guest here, uh, we sure don't want you to... Uh, no, you, you won't be here the first Sunday of every month. Go ahead, ushers, and pass those out. You won't be here the first Sunday of every month. So it's okay if you don't take one. Just let the ushers know. No, I go to another church. I don't attend here every Sunday. But if you want to be a part of what God wants to do, listen, I'm going to tell you something. It starts right now. I told our staff, I told our pastoral staff, they said, Brother Gene, we need to have uh, to re reinstitute our, our, uh, our sacrificial giving for the building, the building fund. We need to do, listen to me. I know you're getting a card, but I think you can listen at the same time. Listen. And we had a discussion about, you know, we got to raise money for a building, Brother Gene. We, we got to raise money for a, a capital campaign. And you know what I know? I know, Brother Pate. I know it starts right here. It starts right here with our attitude about missions. Everybody say missions. That's where it starts. In fact, in prayer, I felt like the Lord put a curse on us if we started building our own kingdom and we forgot about the gospel around the world. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to send the gospel to the whole world. 
We're going to commit to that. Who knows what God's going to do in our future, but right now we're going to take a minute and say, Pastor, if the Lord will supply it, this is what I will give to missions the first Sunday of every month. Now I want to tell you, it is a faith promise. It is not a pledge. It says, if God will supply it. I remember, there, there are so many testimonies of people, I could call them up here one after another, that when they pledge to give to missions around the world, God bless them in untold ways. Amen. Take a minute. Get your pen. It's okay. We're not, we're not losing the anointing just because we're filling out a card. Young people, borrow a pen from your parents and say, you know what? If I can go to McDonald's one time a week, I can at least give $5 a month, $20 a month. Get you a pen. Fill it out right now. We're not going any further. Fill it out right now. God forbid that we send it home with you and tell you to bring it back. (laughs) We'll never see it again. How many feel the Holy Ghost right now? I want us to pray. While you're feeling it out, just whisper a prayer. Lord God, I thank you for the people of God. I I know, Lord, you blessed us beyond any measure that we could return. God, I pray you pour out your spirit, your anointing upon this people today. Thank you for what you want to do in our future. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is going around the world and it's also going to be preached right here in this community. We praise you for it. 